Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Okay, so now I'm sitting here with Libby Gonzalez, which is really special because I got to have her on my Be Amazing Facebook page. So if you're not a part of my Be Amazing Facebook page, you'll experience an even bigger revelation of some of the speakers that I have. And so sometimes I'll have some really cool speakers on my Be Amazing page, just like Libby. And so if you want to be a part of that, make sure you join my Be Amazing private Facebook page. And we spend a lot of time praying for people in that page. And so if you want to be prayed for, join the Be Amazing page for sure. So Libby, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Your story is just so transformational and I cannot wait for my listeners to hear your story, Libby. Uh, First of all, Libby Gonzalez is married to Tony Gonzalez for 10 years, the mother of two beautiful children, Ruby and Jackson. Libby has been traveling for over 20 years internationally as a missionary to over 30 nations. She's trained and led teams of up to 10,000 people across the globe to all these nations, and she's currently a part of Missions.me and Angel House as a team relations director for Missions.me and account coordinator for all Angel House orphanages and human trafficking rescue homes. Oh man, I tell you, being in America right now um, and just the, the enlightenment I think that people are having right now that this is not just happening overseas, but this human trafficking is happening right here in the United States. And it has been for years, but of course the media hasn't been talking about it at all, right, Libby? Right, and, they have uh, not. <laughs> it's crazy. And so I think this is like perfect timing. Talk first about your journey about going into missions. I'm going to definitely call this be a missionary because I think every single human being should be a missionary in some shape or form because of so many reasons, which we're going to unfold and unpack today, of course, Libby. But talk about your journey. Absolutely. Well, you know, I started doing missionary work when I was 14 years old. I went to Costa Rica and that was my very first missions trip. It was for one month, which is a very long time for a 14 year old, but I absolutely loved it. And I got to experience God on a more relational level. Um, I had known about Christ. I had a relationship with Christ, but actually going out into another country and sharing a testimony and experiencing God's miracle working power absolutely trans, like transformed my mind, everything, even just how I looked at Christ. And at that point, I couldn't stop. I started going on one to two trips every single year. And I raised money for every single trip. And I had to get creative because my parents said, we will, um, you can send out letters your first year, but after that, you have to start doing it on your own. And so I was picking up jobs, I was coming up with creative ways, and I was able to raise tens of thousands of dollars to go on these trips and to be a missionary anywhere from one to five weeks at a time. And so it was pretty incredible. I've been throughout Central and South America, India, um, Africa, and parts of Europe, and each one is very unique. 
Each one has its own dimension of, you know, what the specific needs are. And so I was doing that. And um, Dominic and I grew up together through high school at um, our youth group. And he had invited me to go on a trip with him in 2005. And I went just to kind of check it out. Like, I wonder what he's going to do. And that was where I actually saw my first miracle. And at that time, I had read them in the Bible. I knew that they happened in the Bible. I kind of had an idea that it could happen, but I didn't fully understand it for now. And they kept saying that whole week, remember, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to um, heal the brokenhearted. And that's what we're here. We're here to bring that healer to these people, especially to nations where they don't have um, health care or they can't afford health care. And so on that stage, I saw a woman that came in um, a wheelchair and crutches. She couldn't walk. We prayed for her and instantly she was able to walk and to run. And at that point, I'm like, I know this is real because I've seen her in the crowd. This isn't something, this isn't just for a show. And the reason we did that is that the people around would know her and know her disability. And when they see that healing, they see that Christ is real because they actually know her. And so bringing that practical relief, and then that's when the Holy Spirit can usher in and people um, can learn about Christ in deeper ways. And so I started doing that and um, just all as a volunteer, a photographer. I was their first photographer. Wow. <laughs> yes, it's so, it just transformed into what I'm doing now, which is uh, missions.me, director of team relations. And um, we now have shifted from doing city outreaches to doing national outreaches. So what we used to do on a city level, go into all the schools, work with all the local churches, work with the local government, bring practical relief to the local city. Now we're doing on a national level. We're going into every school in a nation. We're working with the federal government. We're bringing um, healthcare into, you know, up to 20 medical clinics in a country. Um, and it's all completely free. We are building fresh water filtration systems throughout the country. We find out what the basic needs are, and then we fulfill those because as we're bringing that practical relief, people start to see what we're doing, and then they come out and they can learn about Christ and experience that relationship, and they also see that we're partnering with the local church. So as we're building that relationship, they can get pulled into the local church and that's where they can get their transformation and their discipleship. And it doesn't just stop there with one week. It still carries on where we visit all of these countries after we do discipleships, we do trainings, we do women's conferences. And so it is constant where we want to keep pouring into these countries. And so it's pretty incredible. Um, I did go on our first Angel House trip. And for those that aren't familiar with Angel House, it is... Um, our orphanages and our human trafficking rescue homes. So this first trip, um, just our staff went to India and we were just kind of, we've never been to India. So we were just observing, trying different things, kind of like seeing, is this gonna be a fit for us for future trips for us to bring groups? What does this look like? What's the food like? And then a pastor said, um, you know, if you want to come and go to our feeding station, you can. 
And so uh, my friend Lindsay and I said, yeah, let's go. And our friend Matt came to while the rest of the group um, stayed at one of the conferences that we were doing. And we went and that's where we saw a small, tiny room filled with, you know, 70 to 80 children. And this was where they came every day to get two meals. And then they would learn a lesson and they were also being taught English. Um, one thing to know in India is, you know, if you're homeless, same here, you can't go to school. Um, if you are not in a, a specific area, you're not qualified to go to school either. And so these children, many of them are living in ditches, they're living under trees, they're living in makeshift tents. Some of them have parents, many of them do not. And seeing that and seeing this great need, it was really impressed upon my friend Lindsay to do more. And so we started stepping out in great faith and we built the very first angel house. And that was a huge step of faith um, because, you know, it was financially a lot of money. And after that step, it just snowballed. So this is again is in 2010, we're at 2020 right now. And we have over 200 orphanages. Wow. We have well over 5,000 children. And then we also have the other part of our ministry, which is um, human trafficking rescue homes. And so those have been built throughout Nepal. And we are literally rescuing these young girls um, prior, before they go into human trafficking, before they go into slavery. And um, we're able to counsel them and give them a better way. And that's where we've partnered with Paul Mitchell, which is incredible. And you guys have offered leadership training and practical skills training so that these girls can get micro loans and then they can build their business and they never have to go into that way of life again. And so that's just kind of like a snippet of, of what my journey has looked like um, throughout the years with missions.me and with Angel House. Wow. I just, I applaud you so much just for following God's leading. And, and I want to talk about that here in a moment, but um, I do want to brag on my daughter for a minute because it's interesting. We were at an event one time, Libby, and it was interesting because Christine Kane was speaking and inadvertently years later, uh, my son married Christine Kane's right hand, which is Mary Catherine and MK for short. And she's the one who uh, does my podcast edit. So she's listening to this right now. And so it's just so funny how God just intertwines everybody together, right? Amazing. And it's, yes. it's, there's no coincidence, you know, when that happens, no. but my daughter heard her speak and, and I'm like, what? There's human trafficking? Like, what is going on? I don't understand. This is years ago. And she's like, yeah, mom, you need to open up your eyes. You know, this is happening. And so I'm like, okay. And then uh, she meets you and introduces me to you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do everything possible. And I knew at that moment to Libby that because we were developing uh, salon teams again, and so we were hiring and bringing on future partners of our graduates in our school. And I said, one of the things that I'm going to commit to is our values is doing mission trips. And so Brianna brought That's two awesome. of our stylists. And interesting enough, uh, one of the stylists, uh, she now goes to our church, the one who went to Nepal and wow. saved now. Uh, she's going to marry uh, a young man that goes, that went to that church. So they met at Amazing. church. And Brianna met Corey, of course, at that church as well too. And so there's something going on at that church because <laughs> there's so many incredible things happening, right? And, uh, but Brianna, the one person she always talked about uh, with that church was you. 
Libby. And so wow. I'm like, who's Libby? Like, I need to meet her. And then all of a sudden I see you on Facebook and it's really interesting because I'm really not on that much. And so once in a while, I'll just, you know, go onto it and there you pop up and I'm listening wow. to, I read your story about you getting healed of rheumatoid arthritis. And then I see, yes. and the next day, your son is in the hospital and he's healed. And I want you to talk yeah. about that because first of all, you said you had rheumatoid arthritis and you said your son healing from EEG and EOG and stomach ulcers. And I don't know what EEG or EOG is, so you'll have to explain all that. <laughs> <laughs> and so talk about, because healing is for all of us, yes. right? And I think as Americans, we have such easy access to doctors and it's almost like fun to kind of uh, carry labels on ourselves, so to speak, wow. you know, we kind of see mm -hmm. that, you know, in America, especially. And it's like, oh, I have this, this and this and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. But God says, no, I want to heal you. And he showed it to you years ago in another country and you're like, I can have this for myself. Tell that journey and story because it's- Absolutely. You know, I think you really nailed it when you said people want to carry those labels. Sometimes it gives them that attention or it gives them that, that way to get out of things. And um, it kind of becomes a crutch to us because we want to hold on to it. Um, so that it's a very good point. Well, you know, um, I began to, I had to start with transforming my mind to realize that God wants me well. And that God wants my family well. And um, to be honest, I kind of suffered in silence for a while because I didn't want people to know. Um, you know, being in ministry, sometimes people look at you like, oh, well, then she's healthy. Well, if she's not healthy, then what is she doing wrong? Or what's, you know, and or that's wow. kind of how I perceived it. Yeah. And so I would hold on to it and just kind of suffer along to get through it. And it, it really got to the point where December I had missed every Christmas party with family and with friends and I'm very social. So that was very hard. <laughs> and I was, I was literally stuck in bed, unable to walk. And I couldn't go to the doctor because it was right during the Christmas holiday and my doctor wasn't open. And it got to the point where my family brought over crutches and wheelchairs to try to help me um, because I couldn't move. I was missing out. I would listen to the kids open their Christmas presents. I was listening to them play, but I couldn't actually be in the room because I couldn't get to the room. Um, I couldn't even take a shower by myself because I couldn't move my hands or my arms. Um, it was, it was so severe and I was just progressively getting worse. And my husband and I started praying and God spoke to us both separately. And we came back like after work, after work one day and he's like, we have to buy communion. And I'm like, wait, I was just looking at communion and I was going to buy it, but I wanted wow. to wait for you. And we ended up starting to do communion together daily, um, right in the beginning of March. So prior to COVID and we started doing that as an entire family. And we would take that five, 10 minutes out of our day to pray, do communion. And it became very consistent. And um, like I said, I was really, really sick at that time. It even got to the point where the only thing that was working was high doses of steroids. So I was on 40 to 50 milligrams of, of prednisone, which is very high every single day. 
And um, for two months, I was on high doses of steroids. And that made it where I could do some things, but it still was just masking. It was like putting a Band-Aid on the symptoms. It wasn't actually resolving what was happening. And um, we kept praying. We kept believing. We kept saying, you know, God wants us well. We We anointed our house in oil. We did prayer walks around our house. We anointed every room in our house. We anointed each other. And we just kept pleading the blood of Jesus. And we made it where this was more routine and this was more normal than going to the doctor. And every report that we had, we still held on to God. Now, um, I went in and um, February, actually, right before this, I was in the ER and I had to get steroid injections and painkillers and they took all my blood work. At that time, my rheumatoid arthritis was out of control. The markers were way off the map and um, it was very, very serious. Now, fast forward to May, June, I went to the doctor because I was still in pain And she looked at me and she said, come August, we are going to have to start a more aggressive treatment. Now, the next treatment at this, because I've exhausted all the injections and the medications, um, is actually chemotherapy. And so that is the the next step if nothing else is working. And um, I was aware of that. And so we just kept praying and believing because in the natural, everything was out of control. We did some pretty drastic changes in our diet and um, even adding supplements and and a lot of prayer. And then come July, just last week, actually, or August, sorry, just last week, I go to the doctor, I sit down with her and she's like, are you in pain? No. She goes, so you don't need any painkillers. She goes, Libby, I want to show you this. She projected my blood test results on the screen and they were so significantly down. She goes, you are starting to go into remission. She goes, this is unbelievable to be where you were at in February to June to now where your body is dramatically changing. But prior to this, I was only good for one to two hours a day. Then I would lose my ability to walk, my ability to use my hands. I would have to lay down. I would be in bed. But now I'm able to go for an entire 12 hours and I'm able to cook dinner and I'm able to do things with my kids and take them places. And so it's been pretty remarkable and amazing. But I I had to really hold tight to that, that God wants me well, that God is my healer. And that's, but I also needed to want that as well. Um, Something about my son is he's, he's turning seven in a couple weeks. And um, when he was born, he actually, right when he was born, he had seven specialists um, for various things, whether it's a GI doctor, asthma, allergies, a urologist, a dermatologist. I mean, the list is pretty extensive. And even when he was born, he tested positive for cystic fibrosis. And um, that was pretty scary to find the results when I'm at the hospital with my newborn. And thankfully, when we took him to get the final full testing, he was negative. Mm. And so we were praising God for that. But then there was just a series of events with him. It was, we even were at the point where a couple years we were in the ER every single month and we were exhausting every resource and nothing was working, whether it was his asthma, his eczema, his allergies, his GI system. Um, he's had surgeries and so many procedures, more than I, I could even imagine. I mean, he's already had 
four surgeries and he's had mm. nine procedures. Um, and so, and again, he's not even seven yet. And what had happened is he had um, some GI issues. So the EOG and the EEG is his esophagus. And he was getting sores and holes throughout his esophagus. And they were causing um, him to vomit. They were causing a lot of pain. They were just worsening to where he couldn't eat. He would be in so much pain, he would just be in bed. Um, and then along came the stomach ulcers. And um, we were just like, what in the world? This is, nothing's working. We were doing all these scopes. We were doing all the medications required and nothing seemed to be working. We were doing dramatic diet changes because his allergies are uh, like, I think they're like 10 long and that's just food allergies. Uh, and so we started doing that communion with him and praying over him and anointing him as much as possible. And he went in for his scope just um, two weeks ago and the scope came back perfect. So this is the ninth scope. Every scope, every test was actually worse than the last. And it kept getting more severe. And they're saying, this is actually the worst one every single time. And it was so discouraging. And when he came back, he goes, there's nothing wrong. His stomach is clear. The biopsies are fine. Everything is pink. He's showing me the pictures. He's like, he is in perfect health. Everything in his GI tract is working the way it's supposed to. And it was amazing. And when I told my son that, he's like, yes, because oh. it was finally working. And that meant that we could get rid of a whole list of medications that he doesn't have to take anymore. And it just, it shows you that healing isn't just for a specific person. It isn't just for, um, for one type of disease or ailment, but it's for everyone. And it's for every disease. It's for every sickness. And um, we really started to, to study um, the word of God and what communion actually represents and what different parts of healing. And we started speaking very intentionally to our healing. So while we're taking communion, we say, this is what we want to be healed of, rheumatoid arthritis, GI. And each of us will share what that specific area that we need healing from. And as we became normal to that and speaking out and even cutting off um, demonic spirits, we just cut off the, the spirit of disease, the spirit of cancer, and just really getting to the root of it spiritually, that's when we even saw more miracles. And it's pretty, it's really incredible for us to see that. Wow. Okay. So let's dig a little deeper for our listeners because some of them may be saying they've never heard any of this information before. Yes. Uh, so let's talk, uh, let's talk first of all, just about communion, what it represents. So kind of break it down in real simple terms for someone that maybe never has taken communion. Absolutely. And I will say this too, communion isn't just something that you take once a month at church or once a week. This is something that you can do at your house, at your workplace. I mean, we do it together as staff with my work wow. and, um, yeah, it's a Great really idea. special moment. And just so you know, too, you don't just need wine. You don't just need grape juice. You can use what you have. Um, we did go out and we bought grape juice and we bought some crackers. And um, the what the, the wine or the juice represents is the blood of Jesus. What the crackers or the bread, whatever you're using, the goldfish crackers, that represents the body of Christ. So the blood of Christ, the body of Christ.
and um, we do it in the order of the body and then the and then the blood and the body was broken for our iniquities for our transgressions um, and this one is actually very significant because it's the body of Christ where the the crown of thorns was placed on his head where he was whipped on his back so it says the the stripes on his back and some even say each stripe represents a different iniquity a different disease that Christ when he went to the cross it was very specific that he didn't leave anything out um and so he was broken so that we could receive healing his body was broken and that's the part where we say specifically god this is the area that's broken that i want healing from um and we do that and we eat the cracker and then we do the blood of jesus and this is where we we ask for forgiveness this is where god forgive our sins past present future god forgive us now and let the blood of jesus um, cover everything this is important because a lot of times people will hold on to their past sins and they'll think that they cannot get out of it or this is happening because of that and so they're not cutting off that curse of the sin and so just cutting off that sin asking for forgiveness and actually receiving it is so important and then um, we pray together and uh, one thing i want to encourage you as well is knowing that your healing has started you might not start seeing an instant manifestation so an instant healing but there is a healing that's beginning to work inside of you as you take those spiritual steps yeah wow so you you did it every day and why every day like it was just like being obedient to god and and is this something that you think you're going to do the rest of your life like what's your thoughts this is so crazy because my son it was about maybe two years ago in california i'm like why do you have this box of communion and he's <laughs> oh i've been taking it every day so talk about why you did it every day and it was was it just the obedience because God spoke to both you and your husband yeah it was definitely that God spoke it to us to do it every day now have we missed days yes there's times where we get home from something the kids are already sleeping Tony and I may do it sometimes it's just it doesn't happen and that's okay right. um, but God spoke to us for that season and little did we know we were entering into a, the craziest time of our life yeah. And I really believe that God spared us and protected us because of that obedience and that specific act. And um, will we do it the rest of our lives? I don't know. But I know that my kids now are like, wait, we have to do communion. We didn't do communion. And so um, we would do it at the end of every day. Um, with school, we're probably going to be shifting to the beginning of every day. But um, it's just finding that obedience with you know, where God is speaking for you to do it. I want to hear, uh, cause you talked about the crown of thorns and mm -hmm. you said, uh, on our call with the be amazing Facebook group about it, that the reason for the crown of thorns was to heal our mind and you know, of, of that distortion that we have yes. in our mindset, right? Talk more about that and let's dig a little deeper. Absolutely. I love it. I, um, through this whole process, I've been really just diving into God's healing for us and just soaking up everything that I can through verses, through teachers, and how it aligns up with the word of God for us. And when I had heard the crown of thorns is for mental illness, it's for um, mental disorders, it's for our our mental capacity that blew my mind but it also made so much sense 
I feel like so many people carry around this mental baggage um, and these, whether it's anxiety, depression, all these different things in our minds, Mm -hmm. labels that we put, and to realize that the crown of thorns was literally specifically for all of that to heal us from all those mental disorders, those mental diseases, those things that we have added to our mind thinking that this is what we are. And that blew my mind. And I absolutely love it because it's so true that God wants to heal us and he wants to heal our minds. Talk to the person right now. How would they identify that to know like, okay, I just, I need healing in both, right? (laughs) And I'm in the mindset of I need healing all the time in my mindset because I'm constantly like, God, forgive me for my negative thoughts, for complaining, Mm -hmm. all of these things, right? So, because we're human beings, not human doings, right? And so that's why I started the B-Series podcast. And so talk to that person right now to identify it because I think some people are wandering around not thinking that it's a challenge, that it's okay. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? And I was right there. And you know what it is? It's a constant battle Mm -hmm. um, because we will get this label from the doctors. I love doctors. I love the medical community and I really honor and respect them. I just want to say that. But Mm -hmm. um, I think that we will take that diagnosis and we will accept it and we will live with it. And we will say, this is going to be the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But instead, God is saying, I have so much more. Um, I will say this, going through rheumatoid arthritis, I never understood people that said, I can't get out of bed, or I never understood intense pain. I never understood all the things that I went through. And so I am grateful for that, because now I have a realization that, of what, in, what pain is and how it's unseen, but it's there. And so I'm so grateful for that because now I know how to pray for it. I know how to ask, you know, pray for people too, specifically. So I want to say that, but I think that what it, what it is, is taking that diagnosis, taking those ailments and letting them go to God and saying, God, I am healed of this specifically speaking it out because as we start speaking it out, it starts to detach ourselves from our mindset. And it's instead of it being laid here, like, well, I can't do this because I have that. I can't do go there because I have this. And so it is a completely change of mindset. And also it's a fear thing because you start holding on to that. And then your life gets encompassed with fear and you're allowing your, your life to get overcome in other areas because of that fear of that diagnosis and that disease. Um, I think too, is instead of just accepting it, like, if your child was diagnosed with something, um, you don't want to just sit back and accept it because you want them to live a full life. So how hard would you fight for them? You need to do the same for yourself. Um, and speaking life to different areas as you're doing them instead of belittling yourself. Yes. Yeah. Watch the words that you say, you know, yes. And uh, Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about that for a moment too. I, I love this message that John Maxwell gives. He was an entire dissertation of don't let the old man in. Because <laughs> he said he went to his class reunion and he said he had to leave because all of his uh, old classmates, you know, all they were talking about was all the medications they're on and all their ailments. Uh. And he was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so, you know, like speak life over yourself, not death, you know, and sometimes Absolutely. it's hard and I get stuck too. Cause somebody will tell me like, Oh, I have a headache. And I'm like, gosh, I have a headache now too. <laughs> you know? And I start, I'm like, now my leg hurts, my foot hurts, you know? Oh and it's just God. funny, the sensitivity of the energy that you're getting off of people, you know, of what exactly. you're talking about. And yeah. so starting to find areas and ways to feed yourself. So instead of like at night sitting down and watching Netflix, I'll mm -hmm. pop on, I'll pop on podcasts or I'll put on um, Stephen Furtick or different speakers that I can listen to that will give me more spiritual life, especially in this season. There's so much negativity. There's so much chaos happening around us that I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to fall trap into that. Because God's called us to be so much more than um, in that chaos. And so I start diving into the word more. And if I ever have any questions or if I ever have like, you know what, God, I'm really battling this. Or if it's anxiety or depression, I yeah. start searching out scriptures that combat that. And so I start using the word of God literally as a weapon against my thoughts and against the things that I'm saying. And as you start to do that, it becomes habit. And then you start realizing the things that you're saying to others, to your spouse, to your kids, and you start being so intentional with speaking life and speaking life into your body and into your finances, instead of saying, Oh, well, we only have this much, or we can only do that because of this. Instead, we start speaking abundance and asking God for um, provision and everything. Oh, that's good. What talk about abundance. What does abundance mean to you when you hear that word? To me, I think that it all starts with um, God's presence and his spiritual abundance, because as he starts flowing through me and it becomes in greater volumes, mm -hmm. then it starts overflowing into all the areas of my life, whether it's financially, if it's relationally, if it's physically with healings, I have seen it throughout, like even as we started doing communion and really being intentional with what speakers we were listening to, our kids, we probably drove them crazy because we would just listen to podcast after podcast and speaker after speaker during quarantine. But it was awesome because we were filling up our spirit man and my husband has his own business. And through all of this, um, we didn't suffer. We always had enough for everything. And we even had more than enough where we could give to our neighbors and do things for our neighbors that couldn't. And so it starts with that abundance in the Holy Spirit. And it really starts to change everything that you do with generosity. People often put dollar signs on those things, but that's not how God is. God is kingdom based. He is based on the kingdom. And so when you start looking at that, you start realizing, you know what? It's not about money. It's about influence. It's about helping others and um, having that abundant lifestyle. So good. Yeah. I, I talk about in my book, be amazing about being balanced, but really what I yes. mean is being aligned abundantly. Yes. So professionally, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, because God wants Love us it. to have an abundant life. Like he doesn't yes. call us to have a scarce life. Like, hello, mm -hmm. that would be like telling our kids, like live scarcely kids, like we're his children. And but it exactly. took me a lot of years to get to that point to really believe that for me, because I was like, oh no, that's for everybody else, but it's not for me. Talk to that person oh. right now that is suffering from anxiety and 
on motivation and depression. Talk to that person right now of what they could do specifically to combat that right now. Absolutely. Well, I will say that God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for me, what he's done for Tina, he will do for you. And so um, whether that is in healing or if it's in abundance financially, whatever it is, God wants you to live your absolute best life. He actually wants you to be well. He wants you to be successful. Mm -hmm. And so diving into that and realizing that you are a child of God, that God has specifically called you and he has chosen you and start holding on to that and asking God, well, then God, what is my calling? What have you chosen me for? What have you chosen me to do? And start asking God. Sometimes you'll get a a word. Sometimes you won't. But as you're living life, you'll start to see, wait a minute, this is what it's supposed to be. And as you're going through that season. And so just rise up, get up in the morning and start your day off with Christ. Um, We rise up, we get up. We are either doing our devotional or we're praying. And every time we start the day, we pray as a family and we ask God to intervene in our day and we ask God to move in our day. And so if you're not feeling that, if you're kind of feeling like you're getting through life, if you're waking up and you're just kind of going through your day and you're just waiting to get home and get in bed, just ask God to intervene. Just start asking him that. Sometimes we don't have all the words, but we say, God, intervene in my life, intervene in my finances, intervene in my health, intervene in my relationships. God can start to do that and keep asking it. And as you're asking it, you'll start to see that God will will give you more words to say. And if you do pray in the spirit, I encourage you to do that. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for, but as you're praying in the spirit, God can reveal so much to you. Explain uh, to people right now what's praying in the spirit. So praying in the spirit um, or spirit filled is um, where you are speaking in that unknown language, that language with that only God and the angels know. And it's so it's like a direct line completely to him. And you are praying out things that we can't even pray out. And I find myself many times I go into situations, whether it's in my life or wherever, and I'm praying and I have nothing to say, but I know I have to pray. And that's where God starts speaking through me with that unknown language. And I do it all the time now, whether it's in my car, at home, while I'm cooking, and just exercising that faith. It's just like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. The the more you pray, the stronger your prayer life gets. Yeah. I I don't think people really understand how powerful God's word is. And in his word, it says, explain uh, explain the verse. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Talk, talk yes. about that and, and why God's word is so powerful. <laughs> it is so powerful. And you know what? I love that. And I also love the full armor of God too. And if you don't have a full understanding of the full armor of God, look it up. Just download the Bible app, look it up and it breaks down the full armor of God. And this is the armor that God, that you can put on every single day. Um, it's, it has, it covers your entire body except for your back, but that's because you're walking towards and God has your back. And so just, yeah. And so, yeah. And start diving into that. And, um, so it it says that it's sharper than any two edged sword. So a two edged sword, it means it's sharp on both sides. 
Um, we're used to like paring knives and cutting things with just one sharp side, but two sharp sides, it's deadly. And that's what it is. That's what the word of God is. It can cut off um, generational curses. It can cut off lies. It can cut off sicknesses and diseases, and it can just sever it to where it can't come back to life because it cuts it so deep and so thick. Um, if you have a little paring knife, you might get out there and you start trying to cut off generational curses because you're, you're, you're kind of just learning about God and you're just kind of using that and you're not really combating it specifically with your prayers and with your Bible. And so you're not able to actually sever it completely. And that's why it's so important that when you are praying, you start speaking those verses over. And if you don't know verses, that's okay. What I do is I'll write out verses and, and put them up around the house, even verses for my family. And they're right there on the fridge. We see them all the time. Yeah, I've been doing that lately too. That's so cool that you said that. Um, <laughs> So talk about, so you walked around your uh, whole house. It kind of reminds me of the movie, The War Room. Highly recommend it uh, with Priscilla yes. Care. I love her. I love her books too, The Fervent Prayer. Um, but talk about um, anointing. What does that mean? And how would somebody go about doing that? Absolutely. Well, um, we actually just bought some anointing oil on Amazon. And <clears throat> we had some that, was given to us from Israel. A friend of ours went to Israel, bought some, brought it back. But my daughter kept diffusing it in our diffusers because she wanted the Holy Spirit through the house. I love that. <laughs> she was seven when she was doing that. So that one went away pretty quickly. <laughs> or we'd wake up and she would be anointing our heads with the oil sleeping. <laughs> That's incredible. But, um, anoint anointing oil is so powerful. I don't think it is used enough, to be honest. Yeah, um, we started using it because my kids were having nightmares in the middle of the night. Mm. They couldn't sleep. And so we started anointing their heads. So we took the anointing oil, we put it on our finger and we would make a cross on their forehead. We would pray over them. We would anoint their bed. We would just take a little oil and just put it across the bed. Um, we would anoint the room. We would put a cross at the top of the doorposts. Um, and so that was how it started. And then as all of this started happening with COVID, we just started anointing our house. We would go into every single room in our home, anointed each doorpost, pray over the room, specific prayers. And there are, you can look up specific prayers, but we would pray specific prayers for each bedroom, for the bathroom, so that there wouldn't be accidents. Um, because in the bathroom, you're more prone to accidents. Um, we would pray for specific things in each and every room. And then we went out and we actually did seven walks around our house praying. And we weren't just praying for our home. We were praying for our neighborhood as well. We want our neighbors to come to Christ. And we wanted our home to be sealed um, with the blood of Jesus and with that anointing power that it's also a beacon of light for those around us. And it's been so awesome to see because we really seem to stand out because all of our neighbors keep coming over to our house and calling us and texting us with life problems, not wow. just like a, Hey, friendly, but like they're needing prayer, they're needing help and they know that they can come to us. So it's pretty amazing mm -hmm. to see that. Yeah. And you know, that's so amazing. Cause I, when you were first talking, I was like, 
oh, she's going to be asked to um, pray over people to heal them because healed people heal people, right? And so you have more <laughs> empathy and it's just like transformed people, transform people. Like the minute yes. you, something happens to you and like this miracle happens, you want everybody to know all about it, you know, no matter what. <laughs> Here we are, you know, we'll talk about a great coffee place and we want everybody to buy the same coffee or a great product, <laughs> right? Yes. So this is the great product and like you could be healed. And this is so incredible. And I talk about the seven times because I'm thinking that's because of Joshua, the walls of Jericho. Is that why? You yes, talk about that, that is exactly why okay. um, we were reading it as a family and we were just like, no, we have to do this. And so we did it as a family and it was great to see our young kids praying those prayers, praying for their neighbors, praying for protection. And now if there's anything that happens, like our kids get scared or something, we'll, we'll say, well, what were the prayers that we said? So we remind them, and this happens to all of us. We need to be reminded yes. of the protection that God has for us. We need to be reminded that God has a plan and a purpose. We don't need to operate in fear. And so it was a great moment for us to be reminded of all of that even now. And it's something that we reoccurringly do. We haven't done the seven times yet, but we do keep doing the anointing oil and praying over our house and our rooms. Yeah, I love that. It talk, talk, you talked about fear. Uh, don't <laughs> operate in fear. So talk to that person right now that's just kind of like parallel, paralyzed with fear right now. Talk to them uh, so that they can work through that and allow God to get rid of that fear for them, no matter what that fear is. Absolutely. And you know what? I love the Bible because throughout the Bible, there are so many verses that combat fear, depression, and anxiety. I mean, it just cuts right to it. And um, I would encourage you first to open up to Psalms 91 and start praying that and reading that daily over yourself, over your family, because it's such a powerful verse for protection, for peace, and for rest. You can just rest um, with God and through those verses, because fear can be crippling. It can literally, it can, it can take you away from so many great moments in life because you're so terrified. Once you start reading the Bible and start asking God, God, take away the fear. Give me peace, Lord. God, I ask for peace. I ask for, um, rest. I ask for that healing in my mind. God will start chipping away at it as we keep reminding God that he is our peace. He is the one that we don't have to have that fear. And you start resting in his perfect peace. And also Psalms 23, you start resting in that perfect peace. You start to realize that there's so much more to life than living and operating and making all of your decisions in fear. And you start moving and enjoying life just the way that God created and wants you to. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to my dad. He's getting older and he's, his health is really deteriorating. And yeah, and we were sitting here at the house uh, a week or so ago or maybe a couple of weeks. And, and he said, Tina, I don't want you to worry about me. He says, I'm a believer. And he said, I'd rather believe and be wrong than not believe and be right. And I was like, wow, dad, you really get it. It's so true. <laughs> I was so proud of him. Yes. And so it was just so amazing because, you know, you need to own this for yourself. And why do you think that some people like shy away from Christianity, from believing that Jesus Christ died for their sins? Like, 
talk to that person right now uh, that may be like, I don't, this is not for me. They've made it this far in the podcast and they're like, I don't know really what Libby and Tina are talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say, I would just say, ask God a big question. It's not that you're testing God, but ask him a big question. What is it specifically that is holding you back from God? Is it maybe your childhood, the way someone has treated you? Has the church hurt you? Um, Has someone in leadership hurt you? What exactly is it that is pushing you away from that? And then ask God maybe for healing for that or ask God something so specific. And I have never seen God not come through. I have seen him come through time and time again. And um, I know that God wants a relationship with you. I know that God wants you to be healed. I know that God wants you to live a full and a long life. And I know that if there is one thing that's holding you back, that God can heal you from that and release you from it. And a lot of times healing is referred to only physical healing, but it isn't just that. It's the broken heart. It's um, sin that we have allowed to cripple us. And that causes that fear that causes that brokenness, but God can heal and repair that sin. Maybe you're saying, well, I've done some really horrible things then no one can ever heal me from that. No one can ever forgive me because I did this and this. And you have to realize that God loves you and you don't deserve to live in a life of shackles. Um, There was a great book that I read, um, Love Like You've Never Been Hurt by Jensen Franklin. And it talks about how we allow our sin and we allow our... um, others to keep us prison that we can't even walk in love. We can't even receive that full love healing from God. And um, I would just encourage you that there is nothing that you've done that's too great for God to heal or too great for you to recover from. Wow. I, I agree with you, Libby, 100%. Thank you for that. And uh, let's, let's switch gears uh, to being a missionary and why someone should. My life verse has been Luke 638, give and it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I love that verse just because it's so poetic and so awesome. But I, my dad and my mom taught me how to live generously since I was a young girl. And, yes. and I know that the minute that I start to feel depressed or something is as long as I go into a state of gratitude to God and then I go into a giving state, all of a sudden that depression is lifted instantly. Absolutely. Right. And so, and that's why, you know, I wish that I was a missionary at, at a young age, but of course I wasn't introduced to the Lord until I was 18, believe it or wow. not. That so was the first time I had heard, right? And so from my sister. And so it's interesting, but, um, but the fact of being a missionary and I knew I was like, oh, I want every single one of my staff members to be able to go on a mission. And that's why I love missions.me because there's so much opportunity. And now there's opportunity right here in the United States because you guys yes. are working in Los Angeles. And I'd love for you to talk about that for a moment as well too, because we talked about it on the Be Amazing page. And, uh, but also why should someone be a missionary you know, I think everyone should, but I think it's just going to transform your life because I know it has mine. Absolutely. I love it. And you know what? I think that so many times people think, well, I can't be a missionary because of 
and they always have an excuse. Maybe it's, I don't want to leave the country or I don't want to live um, in this, or I don't want to go and sleep in the slums or I don't, they think of all the things that they think missionary work is, but the reality is, is that we're all called to be a missionary. Um, We're all called to be a missionary locally um, and internationally. And so once we start to shift ourselves right now, where you're at, um, that's why I honestly, I have more non-Christian friends on social media than I have Christian friends because I'm always trying to find areas where I can reach out to those around me. I don't want to just become this bubble where I only go overseas and I'm a missionary and I come back and I go back to my bubble. I never want that to be the case. I always want to be a missionary right where I'm planted. Mm. And I think definitely during this season of quarantine where we don't really have the options to travel internationally, this is a strategic time for us to be the local missionary to those around us. Um, With missions.me, like I mentioned earlier, we've been doing international, you know, for about uh, 15, 16 years now. But this last year, God called us and shifted us to domestic. And we're like, what in the world? I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) We've always been international. I mean, we've been all around the world and now we're going to do LA. It just, it took a while for me to, to like come around to it, if I'm being honest. And then we started planning and we started strategizing what it's going to look like. And for that one, it was going to be a million service hours. It was going to be 20,000 volunteers. We were going to be working in every area, a demographic in Los Angeles, whether it's food distribution, if it's doing make a wish, if it's, um, going and working with the homelessness, drug addicts, prostitution, kids ministry, like sports ministry. There were so many different facets that we were going to be going into. And then all of a sudden, all of this happened. And it was just shocking because it's like, okay, what do we do now? And it's so awesome how God knew that this was going to happen. And that's why he placed us in L.A., And then we started getting strategic relationships. And so now from what was going to be a one week outreach has turned into a full year of outreaches. Mm -hmm. And so by outreach, I mean, we are finding specific needs and we are taking those needs to the people that need them the most. Um, We've been doing food distributions with um, tens of thousands of families that we've been able to give food to for a week. And we've been doing those for the entire month of June and July. Now we're stepping into our next phase, which is canceling out medical debt. The medical debt is um, several million dollars and we've received it all from a collection agency. We're buying it out and we are sending out letters to all of these homes and to these families that are in poverty, letting them know that love has no limits God has no limit and he is bringing this to you so that you don't have to be weighed down by this medical debt. And um, we're being able to just eliminate it because you know what? We want God to bring that practical relief. Next is foster care. We are um, going to tackle foster care head on and reunite families And so there's a level in foster care that is simply because of poverty. So it means that the family doesn't have enough beds. 
they don't have a working refrigerator or oven, you know, there's different specifics that qualify you to get your kids reunited. And if they don't have those, we're getting a list, we're getting the items, we're giving them to the families, and then they're able to be reunited as family. So this means that it's not drug abuse, it's not child abuse. This is simply because they're under that poverty line and they can't get their kids. And so we're able to have the local church take that to the people and give it to them so they can be reunified. Um, and then, you know, we start stepping into different areas throughout the next, the next year, working head on with um, <clears throat> drug addiction, alcoholism, homelessness, and really fostering that God movement in LA so that people can come to know God the way that they need him. Maybe they have an addiction because of X. Well, God's going to intervene and become that, that way to him because they need to be set free from this. And so it's just being very strategic about it. It's going to be next July. And we'd love for more people to come out to it and, and join us. It's a full week. And it all culminates to um, us having a big rally together in L.A. And um, it's just, it's pretty incredible. That's so amazing. Yeah, because that was supposed to be this year, the one day in LA. Now it's next year, 2021. I love it. I'm, I'm so excited for this. So if people want to get involved, they go to lovehasnolimits.com, correct? Yes. Lovehasnolimits.com to get involved with this mission project. And it's right here in the United States, you guys. Yes. This is such an incredible opportunity. Plus there's other opportunities to join. Talk about some of the mission trips because I love, I love the... Um, what you guys have always said is, is can a nation be saved in a day? And you bring in like thousands of missionaries for an entire week. My, my son and my daughter have been on a couple of those trips. So talk about those trips because I don't think I've ever heard of any other nonprofit doing something like this. Absolutely. Well, you know, God spoke to us um, in the early 2000s and he spoke saying, you know, that he wanted us to go into nations. And we we're like, well, we're already going to nations. No, actually go in and be in the entire nation, not just city driven, not just locally driven, but actually go into an entire nation and bring what they need. And so um, we started to kind of explore what that looks like. And we did our first trip like that in Honduras in 2013. I actually wasn't there. I was pregnant, nine months pregnant. <laughs> but um, it was really incredible because we brought our largest team at that time. It was like 1,500. We brought them into Honduras. We went into all the different areas of Honduras. We brought in um, four medical clinics and they're fully stocked medical clinics with um, doctors, nurses, full pharmacies. Everything is completely free. And we were able to um, just bring that into communities. We also did food distributions and shoe distributions, but we did everything on that federal level so that we're able to impact as many people as possible. Because with us, there is change in, qual in quantity. The more people that are impacted with that practical leaf means that there's more people that are open to the gospel. And so we started diving in and um, really impacting that entire country, so much so that the president was elected right after that. He actually created um, a TV show that he still does to this day called The New Honduras. 
which is the name of our campaign. We called it the new Honduras. Wow. And so he still does that. And all it is, is updates and exciting news on how the country of Honduras is becoming better. Mm. And since we've left, left, suicide has gone down dramatically. Um, I think it's about 45% domestic violence down dramatically. Oh. Gang violence, many gangs have disbanded and violence is down dramatically. That year after we left was the most attended school year in the history of the country. Um, it's just, it's absolutely incredible to see that. And we've been able to go back many, many years now and keep visiting them and doing large outreaches. A fun fact is going into Honduras, they actually didn't have a, a big enough runway for our planes because we have to rent planes when we go <laughs> to these countries and we fill them with our missionaries. So wow. they actually had to build um, extended runways so that we could get our planes into their country. So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's so incredible. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yes, definitely got to be a missionary. And I mean, what a legacy that you're leaving. And, you know, like when I die, I want God to say, well done and good and faithful servant. You Amen. Know, everything I could here on earth uh, to just give, to give to people, right? And so I love what you're doing, Libby. Um, so missions.me or lovehasnolimits.com to uh, find out more about this and get involved. Any last words that you want to give everybody? Thank you so much, Libby, for being on this podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> you know, I just want to encourage you to um, just in the words of Tina, just be your best. And get out there and start speaking life into yourself and speaking life into those around you. And if there is an area that is just you're neglecting or an area that is just not strong, whether it's relationships, financially, start speaking life into it and start adding verses, the word of God to it. And you'll start to see that growth just completely go throughout your entire life and your families. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.